Hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Ellen. And my name is Anna. And in today's episode, we're discussing Book 2, Chapter 2, The Council of Elrond, exploring the relationship of community and responsibility. Ellen, I have a question for you. Is it about how responsible I was in preparing for this episode? Um, funnily enough, no. It is, how do you think the Council of Elrond would fare as a web conference, a la Zoom or Google Mm, Chat? Prescient. I think um, it actually might be a little bit more productive because Bilbo could have just turned himself off video Mm -hmm. and gone and gotten lunch like he should have. Right. (laughs) I really would have supported that instead of just being like, oh, nope. Not time for a break yet. We are still talking. And that need keeps being made as a request. Mm -hmm. And yet they're just like, we're just going to power through. Mm -hmm. There's just a little bit more. And then everybody has a little bit more. It's like, okay, but at what point are we like, nah, we got to (laughs) eat. Apparently nobody gets hungry except for hobbits, which is what we've learned from these books. That's right feeling much like a hobbit then in a lot of my meetings. I know. Something about listening to other people talk. It's what they said, I think, in the Tom Bombadil chapter. Storytelling and listening is thirsty work. Yeah, can relate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But today, we are here to talk about this hefty chapter through the theme of community and responsibility. Do you have a story for us along today's theme? I do have a story for us. So, as you know, Ellen, but as our listeners may not know, as a part of my college experience, I studied abroad in Spain for eight weeks, the summer between my junior and senior year. And this was especially important because I was majoring in Spanish. So what better place to go and practice than in a Spanish-speaking country? When I was in Spain, I was living with a host mom who was an absolute delight, and we were first in a hostel, and then after, I think, a week, we transitioned into our host family's home. As a part of the transition, we had to take not quite a course, but we had to attend a seminar by the program leads in-country about some things to know living in a Spanish family's home. And one of the things that I remember them sharing with us is that there was a major drought happening. We were in the south of Spain in the summer, which is a very dry season for Spain, and there had been considerably less snowfall the winter previous in the mountains. And that water runoff was the primary source of water for the city where I was staying. And for lack of snow, there was a a pretty, pretty noticeable lack of water for for most homes. And so the the seminar really encouraged us to be mindful in our water usage, both because we were guests in the home, but also because we were guests in the country. So being really intentional in our usage of water is something that maybe a lot of the program participants hadn't had to think about before. And this was beyond just taking a really quick shower. It was, if you are, you know, lathering with soap, turn the water off. 
then rinse, turn the water off. Then, you know, if you're, if you're shaving or if you're doing something else, then you turn the water off for that as well. And you just use the water to rinse. And it was a really challenging shift in expectation for me because I hadn't ever really had to think about something like that before. Water was present and I was able to use that resource as I was able. And so this responsibility was really key in making sure, one, that I was responsible to, again, my, my host family, my host mom, but also to think about sort of the greater community and that there was a experience relatively universal um, that folks didn't have much water and so I needed to sort of play my part if I wanted to be part of that community. And that was something that I... That was a that was a learning experience for me, um, and it, it really sort of stuck out in my brain as I started to think about what it meant to be responsible to a community through your individual actions. Well, it is a it's a good example of how individual actions can affect the community, and how being a good member of community is it. It involves taking on a, a fair bit of responsibility in order to play your part well. It does. And sometimes that responsibility comes at our own, the expense of maybe our own convenience mm, mm-hmm. or our own comfort. But if everybody makes that choice, at least most of the times that they're presented with that choice, sort of everybody comes out on the other side better for it. I think that was one of the things that really stuck out to me as a part of this chapter where we saw a lot of examples of of responsibility. But before we launch into that, do you want to explain just what happened in the chapter? It would be easier to start with what didn't happen in the chapter because... (laughs) It's a hefty one, as you noted. Truly just an endless amount of activity. We start with Frodo wanting to go for a walk in the woods, which... I thought was interesting because I felt like he had just had the world's longest walk in the woods. But Frodo wanted to go outside and he was denied a walk because a council was happening. So the council commences and Sam gate crashes. People just kind of forget that he's there and he walks on in and and has a seat. Everyone, everyone takes turn spelling out their backstory. So... There are dwarves, there are elves, people who refer to themselves as the wise with a capital W. And here's sort of a general overview of what what we gather. We learn that the dwarves are being harassed by a messenger from Mordor to reveal where Bilbo is because they are seeking the ring. We learn a little bit about the ring's backstory and Isildur and how he cut the ring from Sauron's hand and did not destroy it. Boo Isildur. Boromir is a new character that we meet, um, and he tells everyone what a good job Gondor is doing, and explains multiple times that he is not here to seek aid, although it would be nice if we offered it, but I'm not here for it. He is here to seek answers to a dream. We learn about Aragorn's heritage. Boromir is extremely skeptical of the fact that Aragorn is descended from kings, Bilbo, as we mentioned, keeps trying to break for lunch, but instead is roped into telling his own story and how he came to find the ring. Frodo shares what happened in the first portion of the book, and then Gandalf tells us that Saruman is evil, but bad at keeping people prisoners, because he tried to keep Gandalf and instead 
put him in a wide open room with no walls or a ceiling, and he flew away. Then, after all of this, they run through different options of what to do with the ring, and the chapter ends with Frodo reluctantly offering to take it to Mordor. Which is a fair amount. It's a fair amount of activity. Yes, truly lots. There is one quote. I know we don't normally share quotes here, but there is one quote that I really wanted to share. Mm -hmm. Bilbo says, and this is in talking about Frodo's story, quote, I tried to make a few notes, but we shall have to go over it all again together sometime if I am to write it up. There are whole chapters of stuff before you ever got here. Yes, it made quite a long tale, answered Frodo. <laughs> and I thought that was like a cheeky little reference to the fact that most of the book has occurred. <laughs> and there are a lot of chapters and a lot of stuff happened before Frodo even got there. And it did make for quite a long tale. Mm-hmm. I like that. But with that uh, and all that happened in the chapter, Anna, where did you see examples of today's theme? Oh my gosh. Okay. So many examples. Left, right, and center. Yeah, especially because we have so much material to work with. I mean, again, it's, it's a long chapter. So, some examples. Page 271 in my book, we see that Elrond is responsible for keeping and telling the story of the ring to the council. So I kind of think about this as like he's like the tender of this story and really assures that the story is told maybe consistently, maybe accurately, and that that's kind of his responsibility to this group as well. And so then there's this shared responsibility, as you've noted, that each person has to tell their own part of the story which is definitely not a meeting that could have been an email. So everybody has a speaking part, everybody has a role to play, and so they're all responsible for sharing what they know up until this point. We know that if this was an email, nobody would have done the pre-reading. Correct. Like, if we had all typed up this and sent it out, everyone would have been like, yep, looks good. <laughs> Thanks for sending. <laughs> yep, this is great. No what further do I need questions. To do? Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Action items need to be listed at the bottom of this email pretty explicitly. Yeah, in bold, bullet-pointed, who is going to Mordor? Right, that's right. Okay, I also saw on page 277, there's a conversation about the ring and Frodo's relationship to it. So it reads, Elrond is sort of saying that he's giving Aragorn's lineage, and talking about how, because of that, there's sort of this insinuation that he has a, an undue responsibility to the ring. And Frodo says this, saying, Then it belongs to you, and not to me at all, he cries in amazement, springing to his feet. And Aragorn responds, It does not belong to either of us, said Aragorn, but it has been ordained that you should hold it for a while. And so there I just feel like Aragorn's really speaking to this responsibility that we talked about in last episode, where Bilbo is heavy-hearted in the responsibility he's passed to Frodo, because Frodo is, for better or for worse, the holder of the ring for the foreseeable future. So um, that really came to fruition on page 277. Yeah, 
Which, like, I want to question because, and they say this a couple of times, of like, well, if it makes you feel any better, it seems like you're meant to have it. And I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Does it? Or is he just holding it and everyone else is like, no, I don't want it. So, well, it seems like he is supposed to have it. I can't have it. Hmm. Well, and what I wonder about that, too, is whether this idea that the ring corrupts individuals and that Frodo has lasted the duration of the journey, both in truly the actual like physical movement from the Shire to Rivendell, but also that he lived with the ring for like the 17 years it was that Gandalf was doing his like reconnaissance mission. Yes, he was just planning party after party in the Shire. Right, that, that somehow that's being maybe manipulated, maybe misrepresented as Frodo's suitedness to carry the ring. Right. But that's not made super explicit in the conversations that the council are having, but it seems like that's what people are using to bully Frodo feels like maybe a bit strong, but they're certainly quick to abdicate their responsibility to the ring. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so then the next example that I saw, or sort of kind of around that same area, are all of these examples from Boromir, who I think is a really interesting character, and we'll learn a lot more about him in the rest of this book. But Boromir feels very responsible to Gondor. Mm-hmm. So, page 275, quote, But at once Boromir stood up, tall and proud, before them, Give me leave, Master Elrond, said he, first to say more of Gondor, for verily from the land of Gondor I am come. And then this theme really reiterates itself every time Boromir speaks, um, as far as this battle at Anduin with his brothers, where he's sort of holding the line and the responsibility to that, and then as a result of this dream that he has, Boromir feels compelled to travel to the council, feeling a duty to his brother, because it's, like, maybe too dangerous for the brother to come. Again, that motive was a little unclear, but it feels like responsibility is a key tenant of Boromir's personhood and character to Gondor in particular. Like, that is his driving purpose as far as we know about him now, um, and I think he would qualify he feels responsibility to furthering Gondor's cause. Yes, and that's very honorable, and we are very (laughs) proud of him for... Yes, and that's fine, Mm -hmm. but, like, shut up about Gondor Uh, already. (laughs) He's such a... He's a good leader, and he puts his people first, but I just know that in a meeting, I would say an idea, and then he would say the idea louder, and everyone would be like, yes, that was great. Like, I can just feel from him that he was he is very dismissive of everybody that is not a big strong man like he's laughing at Frodo and he's like Maragorn I don't know he looks kind of dirty and I just I just I really struggle with him as a character he is a bit pretentious and condescending Mm. Mm-hmm. He is a bit priggish, as it were. Like, he's just, he's so convinced of his, and he's so myopic, 
right, in the view of his own responsibility, that anything that is not aligned directly and explicitly with that, he has no interest or time for, which is a very dangerous thing to bring into this council. Like, clearly there was no preface as to what this emergency meeting was, Mm -hmm. because it seems like he perhaps more than most is really motivated only by his self-interest and pretty underwhelmed at anything else having to do with the ring or this sort of greater battle between good and evil. Yeah, and maybe in a leader of a country, that's good. It's like, oh, I'm only concerned with my people. Like, maybe you want that to some degree. But I just feel like, to your point, yeah, Boromir takes it too far. Mm Mm-hmm. I will say the one part that I did find, and I I think this is good of him, quote, but since the way was full of doubt and danger, I took the journey upon myself. And we know that Boromir is the older sibling, or maybe we learn that later, and I just, I felt that he, he did a good job there of being a big sibling and being like, I will shoulder this. And it reminded me of the many things that you have shouldered. (laughs) Um, before my my wee shoulders were big enough to to hold anything of substance. Yes, there is. I do find that particular responsibility very relatable. Mm -hmm. As I was thinking about stories to share today, there were a number of examples that were mom and dad either explicitly or implicitly telling me that I needed to be more responsible, more on top of my game, because I needed to set an example for you. And so that really became a defining part of my personhood and definitely would then result in me being like, okay, well, I had this dream, so I'll go. (laughs) I'll go to the council. Gosh, Ellen can't go. Like, that's my responsibility. (laughs) Do you think he had this dream, though? Because it, it says in here that the dream came to Faramir multiple times, and then he's like, and then it came to me once, and then back to Faramir again. And it, there is no, there's nothing in the book that I remember that says that Boromir has this, he's not blessed with this, I think the, the Numenor site or whatever it is that his mm-hmm. father and his brother both have. And part of me was like, did you have the dream? Or did you just listen to Faramir describe the dream? And then you were like, me too. I had the dream. I must go. Yeah, I think it was the latter. Classic Boromir. There was like a, I'm a part of this. Yeah. I can do things. I'll go. I'll do it. I had that dream. Mm-hmm. Me too. What was about the halflings? Me too. Had that same one. <laughs> you describe it first, and then I'll tell you if that's what my dream was. Right. Same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. One, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. Um, yeah, no, no, no. And then, and we'll learn later, right, like, kind of the the really gross parenting style of um, uh, yeah. the steward mm-hmm. of Gondor and how he kind of pits Faramir and Boromir against one another. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. Ugh. So I can see, knowing that as the backstory, I can really see that also motivating Boromir to mm-hmm. kind of jump in and be like, no, 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 I can do things too, Dad. Look at me. Look at me. I'm important. I'll go to the council. Yeah. I'll carry this great burden. 113 days, but who's counting? Or whatever it is. I'm not mad. (laughs) This is fun. Yeah. (laughs) Having a great time. Mm -hmm. Who brought this ring? What is this additional thing? We don't need help. No, 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 no. 
I'm just here because I heard that you maybe needed something. Right. <laughs> is that what is that what this is about? Mm-hmm. It's unclear. I didn't read the email. Mm-mm. So lots of responsibility, lots of interesting purpose-driven choices made by Boromir. Okay, so page 278 into 279, there's a lot of, as you know, lineage and sort of the responsibility of Aragorn being descended from Isildur and carrying the sword and carrying the name. In particular, there's a quote on page 278. Our days have darkened and we have dwindled, but ever the sword has passed to a new keeper. And this I will say to you, Boromir, ere I end. Lonely men are we, rangers of the wild, hunters, but hunters ever of the servants of the enemy, for they are found in many places, not in Mordor only. So kind of this idea that um, you had mentioned earlier, Boromir calls into question Aragorn's alleged royal lineage or sort of powerful lineage because he looks kind of scruffy and Aragorn basically is like, well, I have the sword and it's my responsibility, even if I am a ranger. And then he goes into uh, the responsibility on 279 of the rangers as well and says, Travelers scowl at us and countrymen give us scornful names. Strider, I am to one fat man who lives within a day's march of foes that would freeze his heart or lay his little town in ruin if he were not guarded ceaselessly. Yet we would not have it otherwise. If simple folk are free from care and fear, simple they will be, and we must be secret to keep them so. This has been the task of my kindred, while the years have lengthened and the grass has grown. So clearly, Aragorn, in both lineage and occupation, feels a pretty heavy responsibility for care of the people of Middle-earth. And it feels less savory, less condescending than, I think, how Boromir would approach it, and truly more of a, this is what we do because it needs to get done. Yeah, there's a little condescension, but not as much. There's condescension (laughs) definitely towards Boromir as well, to be like, who do you think you are? I know, it's like... Uh, when you're you're so I don't know maybe this only happens to me when you're so sure that you're right or that you <laughs> or that your story is going to be like the the best story and then someone comes in and is like you don't know anything listen to where I've been mm-hmm. that I feel like that was Boromir here getting owned a little bit of like oh. Gondor is fighting Mm -hmm. yeah you're not the only one it's not you alone against the world there so come on down join the rest of us right right that there is more going on here than exactly your issue Mm -hmm. so like sit down Mm -hmm. take several seats (laughs) and let me tell you about where I've you know what I've been doing for the last however long seen some stuff yeah the grass has grown the years have lengthened I've been here Mm-hmm. Then there's a, an interesting conversation about our favorite character, Tom Bombadil. <sighs> <laughs> They're trying to figure out what to do with the ring, right? And so one person is like, well, Tom Bombadil seems to have, like, kind of his stuff together and that he isn't impacted by the ring. And, like, why don't we just give him the ring? And then it can live forever with him and we'll have mitigated the risk altogether. 
And I think Gandalf responds and is like, yeah, except for Tom, like, doesn't pay attention to this thing, to this sort of growing power and concern. He doesn't feel a responsibility to Middle Earth, seemingly, as a community. So he would just, like, forget that it was big and important and would drop it somewhere or lose it. Mm -hmm. And in fact, Tom Bombadil has retreated into his own space, and so he probably wouldn't take it anyway. Which really made me think about, like, is he in community with Middle-earth? Like, what does it mean to be in community? Maybe it's more like in proximity, if you aren't responsible to one another in these kinds of moments. He's here for the trees. Right. I think they say it in there, like, I don't know the exact quote, but it's something along the lines that... Even Tom Bombadil does not have the power to resist Sauron unless such power is in the earth itself. Mm -hmm. And how he's really, he's in community, I mean, he's married to the river daughter. He's so in with the grass and the trees and old man Willow and, and that, that is his community. And I think he just cannot comprehend whatever trifling matter is occurring with this little ring and somebody maybe named Sauron or Sauron or something. Mm hmm. So then Elrond, coming in clutch mm -hmm. as the leader of this ragtag band, basically says, uh, this is our responsibility. We've gotta, we've gotta do something about this ring. We can't just pass it off to somebody else, can't just make this decision, like, we've got to do, we've got to manage this. So he says this on page 298, because they were going to send the ring across the sea, which is kind of like their passage into the other, like, other world, kind of like dying, as I understand it. The Blessed Realm. I always just thought it was someplace kind of far away. <laughs> I didn't think of it as, like, a metaphor for anything. I was like, oh, they're just leaving. Going to, like, Italy. <laughs> I, see, I th had always thought it was, like, this is where, like, the elves go. To pass on. Yes, because mm. they can't do that because they're, like, immortal beings. So it's, like, their super chill, not quite heaven hangout space. Huh. This is, this is probably something we would learn if we read the Cimarill or whatever. <laughs> yes. True, true, true. In the meantime, we'll just posit our own theories, and I like the idea of it being an almost heaven chill space. Just speculate wildly, mm -hmm. even though there is a dearth of research that we could confirm an answer in. So, they're like, why can't we just send the ring to the super chill heaven space that's not quite heaven um, and have those folks deal with it because that's outside the power of the evil at work. And Elrond says... But Gandalf has revealed to us that we cannot destroy it by any craft that we here possess, said Elrond, and they who dwell beyond the sea would not receive it. For good or ill, it belongs to Middle-earth. It is for us who still dwell here to deal with it. So Elrond kind of puts the kibosh on like, why don't we just send it to Italy? Mm -hmm. And he's like, y'all, we have got to deal with this. This is our own issue. Yeah. And I like that it's the would not, not the could not like maybe they could mm -hmm. but they're they're not going to be bothered with this this is this is a you thing right so then the group with some counseling here gets to the point of all right we can't send it away we can't drop it in the ocean we got to destroy it who is going to destroy it and now we come to the responsibility taking which will 
be the theme of the rest of all of the books we read. Frodo, and I put in quotes in my own notes, volunteers to take the ring to its destruction. And let's see, where does it say this? Still no one spoke. Frodo glanced at all the faces. All the council sat with downcast eyes as if in deep thought. And I would argue they're just trying not to make eye yes, contact first. for sure. And get picked on. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Nobody is like, hmm, I wonder who. It's all, oh God, not me. Yep. A great dread fell on him as if he was awaiting the pronouncement of some doom that he had long foreseen and vainly hoped might after all never be spoken. An overwhelming longing to rest and remain at peace by Bilbo's side in Rivendell filled all his heart. At last with an effort he spoke and wondered to hear his own words as if some other will was using his small voice. I will take the ring, he said, though I do not know the way. And then Sam, blessed Sam, good old Sam, says, who was not invited to this meeting, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that in a minute. Gate crashing. <laughs> Gate crashing, exactly right. Sam says, but you won't send him off alone, surely, master, cried Sam, unable to contain himself any longer and jumping up from the corner where he had been quietly sitting on the floor. No, indeed, said Elrond, turning towards him with a smile. You at least shall go with him. It is hardly possible to separate you from him, even when he is summoned to a secret council and you are not. And I like that the responsibility here is the responsibility that Sam feels to Frodo and making sure that Frodo, for whom Sam has great affection, will not be alone Mm -hmm. in this very sizable burden. Yeah, Sam's commitment to his friends and to Frodo is really admirable, and I just commend him to that. Mm -hmm. I do have an example that I'd like to bring as well, if we have the time for that. Mm -hmm. So this is on page 281 when Gandalf is chit-chatting about where he's been and what he's been up to. Mm -hmm. He says, quote, I was lulled by the words of Saruman the Wise but I should have sought for the truth sooner, and our peril would now be less. And I feel like he really relinquished responsibility there. And he said that, oh, well, Saruman says that the ring's gone, and he knows more, and I guess it's gone. And I really relate to that, because it is such a lovely feeling to be able to hand responsibility over to another person. Mm -hmm. And just be like, oh, well, you're going to get this. And just know and trust and not have to worry about whatever the issue is. Mm -hmm. And so I I really felt for for Gandalf there because he thought he had found a trustworthy source and turns out not so much. Mm -hmm. And it was to the great detriment to the group. Right. And he, he owns it a little bit, right, in that statement to be like, Had I trusted but verified this information, we may be in a different position. Though it does lead me to believe, is there really a way that Gandalf could have known more? You know, if if we're talking about things that are really old and not written down and to do your research is to, like, basically get oral history from from those around you that feels much trickier to know something if one of your sort of fonts of knowledge is corrupt Mm -hmm. yeah that's true 
I don't think that Gandalf was careless, but yeah, he, it's tough because I don't know how he would have verified this information other than maybe looking further into Saruman's heart mm-hmm. and seeing there that there was a lot of greed surrounding this specific item. Absolutely. Well, I think that was a very robust theme conversation. Do you have an action item that you would like to share with the listeners today? I do. In the vein of what we were talking about earlier, I encourage our listeners to choose to do something this week that is a little inconvenient for you, but is for the betterment of a group or of your community. So an example of this might be if you're at the grocery store and you see all those grocery carts that are out in the parking lot, especially for those of us that live in the north, it's starting to get colder, there might be snow on the ground. Take a minute and collect some of those and put them in the little cart location so that the employees don't have to spend all of their time chasing down the haphazardly laid carts from the parking lot. So there's something like that that you can choose to do this week. I encourage you to do it. I love that. I would like to confess that I am guilty of wish cycling where I look at something and I'm like, I think it can be recycled and I really want it to be recycled. (laughs) So then I put it in the recycler and I'm going to try not to do any wish cycling this week and actually look and see, can this be recycled where I live in this bin? Usually, most municipalities have really robust lists Mm -hmm. that you can confirm what can be recycled, so I encourage you to do that research, look into that thing, you know, put it in the right bin, just make make the choice, try to make a habit of it if you can, because making the choice one time is hard, but the more times you make the choice, the less hard it becomes. It's really just those orange juice cartons, if anyone can shoot me a dm what i can do with those (laughs) orange juice cartons i'd love to hear it (laughs) well thank you for that action item anna i i am going to do my best to do that this week and remember that there is a human at the other end of my recycling who has to fix all of the mistakes when i wish cycle so thank you for for drawing my attention to that Today's podcast was brought to you by Guayhir Greeting Card and Delivery Service. We are sent to bear tidings, not burdens. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in Fellowship. So it was that when summer waned, there came a night of moon, and why here the wind lord swift? Why here? Why here the wind lord? <laughs>